Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada's premiers call for a meeting with the Prime Minister on the blockade crisis. With each passing day or each passing hour, the economic damage piles up and also smaller protests are popping up all over the country. Justin Trudeau says the economic impacts of the blockades are unacceptable. We know that people are facing shortages, they're facing disruptions, they're facing layoffs. That's unacceptable. That's why we're going to continue working extremely hard with everyone involved to resolve the situation. And support for the Trans Mountain Pipeline fails as the costs go up. Trans Mountain U price tag is really a game changer for the political support, the public support for this project. We've crossed a threshold uh, and now the overwhelming minority of Canadians, majority of Canadians, don't support this kind of public spending on a pipeline, particularly when they learn that this is being done uh, with borrowed money. It's Thursday, February 20th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald, Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. So there have been a lot of developments in the last 24 hours on efforts to resolve the blockades across Canada. The premiers are calling on the prime minister to have a meeting with them on this. And the prime minister has said that uh, the economic disruption is unacceptable. He still wants a peaceful solution. Uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, the former Liberal cabinet minister, has weighed in offering to help, but uh, criticizing the government at the same time for the handling of it. And there's a new report from Global News saying that the commanding officer of the RCMP in British Columbia has opened the door to police leaving Wet'suwet'en territory as a gesture of good faith. Uh, Apparently, there is some discussion of replacing the RCMP in that area with an indigenous police service of some kind. So what do you make of all of this? Well, obviously there's a lot going on. And I mean, with each passing day or each passing hour, the economic damage piles up. And also um, smaller protests are popping up all over the country. I mean, there there was another um, occupation uh, south of Montreal yesterday. Uh, so, you know, you're having uh, this increasing stakes on both sides every day. And, um, you know, it is a real quandary for the government uh, to find its way through. Now, you mentioned some of the potential developments. I mean, uh, I think uh, Justin Trudeau himself said he was open to the idea of having the Mounties pull back from the uh, uh, blockade out in B.C. and um and potentially, uh, I, and we're assuming, potentially having um, Aboriginal peacekeeping force or police force come in uh, just to keep the peace and uh, ensure local safety. Um, but, you know, there's still the whole spectrum of people who want much more done. I mean, there, there are uh, politicians, uh, especially on the conservative side of the, of the House, who want, like, immediate action right now. Um, you know, sending the police or, you know, there's people calling to send in the army, uh, you know, which is an absolutely bizarre and horrible idea. You know, the soldiers are not policemen. They're not trained or equipped to deal with public order situations like this. Um, they're trained to, uh, hurt enemies of Canada, um, in foreign battlefields. They're not supposed to be, you know, riding around like vigilantes inside the country, no matter how big the calls are for that to happen. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, Jody Wilson-Raybould kind of, you know, 
she had an opportunity to be a key player in situations like this. She was the minister of justice. She was a senior cabinet minister. Um, and, you know, she walked away from all of that uh, to pursue her own political uh, agenda. So it's it's all a little bit much. I mean, you know, she's saying she'll get involved, but she wants, you know, immediate introduction of land rights legislation. Uh, she wants all construction seized. She wants the Mounties removed for a cooling off period. So, again, you know, she's laying down preconditions for her own involvement. So I don't think uh, I don't see that offer being taken up uh, by the Trudeau government. Right. Now, you mentioned that uh, I don't think the majority of Canadians at this point want to see some type of uh, end to the blockades by force. And that's that's not been the pattern in these kinds of situations in Canada in the past, certainly. Uh, but there are people pushing for uh, a resolution as quickly as possible, obviously, business associations. There's been some back and forth in the House of Commons over this, as you pointed out. Uh, at a certain point, though, obviously, the, the, the patience will run out, won't it? Oh, absolutely. Well, patience is running out and the political odds are piling up day to day. Uh, you know, in terms of the political dynamic in Ottawa, you know, there was some some talk. I, it sounded like kind of loose talk, really, uh, of the conservatives using a no confidence motion uh, over the government's handling of this. I mean, they, they've got kind of like a, 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 a pro forma no confidence motion that's sitting on the order paper somewhere. Uh, I suppose it could be invoked, but I can't see uh, the other parties in the House of Commons saying, "Yeah, okay, there's this national crisis here. Uh, the government isn't doing enough, so let's." bring down the government to ensure nobody can do anything while we continue to squabble and go off and have an election in the meantime. So uh, I just don't uh, see that as a uh, as a viable political alternative for the opposition, nor do I see it something that would bring down the true government. That said, though, Mark, uh, this whole thing is very damaging uh, to the Trudeau government. It's it's damaging to Trudeau himself. Um you know, there's people can't really see tangible developments happening in this. You know, phone calls going on between civil servants and ministers and chiefs and, and other people involved in these things. It's all fine to do and issue press releases. But in terms of tangible progress, we aren't seeing it. And, and I think, uh, you know, I, I'm just going by what I hear. But it seems like people are getting very frustrated with this sort of inaction. Scott Moe, as I mentioned, uh, the Premier of Saskatchewan, he, he uh, on behalf of other Premiers, sent a letter to the Prime Minister saying we should get together on this in, in some form or another. Uh, would that accomplish anything, do you think, having having Canada's leaders around the table or on a phone call or something like that to, to try to resolve this? I can't see how it would do any harm. I mean, you know, uh, they've all got, you know, to a greater or lesser degree, some share of responsibility and, and uh, authority in this matter. I mean, uh, in B.C., the, the Mounties operate as a provincial police force. In Ontario, the OPP has some sort of putative you know, jurisdiction over the blockade in Belleville. Uh, the Sûreté du Québec or the Quebec Police—they've got—they've uh, got responsibilities and authority and powers in Quebec as well. So, you know, what they, the premiers and the prime minister could also talk about is how they're going to um, move forward with uh, meaningful reconciliation uh, with the First Nations, so that we don't have these things happening all the time. I mean, the shocking thing about this is how easy it has turned out to be to basically cripple the, the, the national east-west uh, rail system. 
And, uh, you know, this is this message is going out to all kinds of different uh, um, unhappy people who may want to protest. I mean, a number of possible issues. Uh, so, you know, Trudeau and all parties have promised better relations with the um, uh, First Nations of Canada. And uh, it's about time they put their money where their mouth is and and bring about tangible um you know, reconciliation that will actually prevent these things from happening in the future. All right. We'll continue to watch the developments on that front today. Obviously, uh, there there could be many. Uh, let's talk about the Trans Mountain Pipeline for a moment, Dan, because yesterday uh, a poll came out that showed that support for the pipeline is falling as the costs are increasing. This is uh, obviously a, a consideration for some Canadians is how much the, the total bill might end up being. Yeah, it always is a consideration in every uh, matter like this when uh, Ottawa gets up the checkbook. Uh, and it's it's proper scrutiny that should be applied to these types of questions. Um, you know, people are not in... They don't want a limitless sort of blank check to get this thing sorted out. But I think there are a lot of people who see some merit in, in having the pipeline completed and eventually, hopefully, sold back to the private sector or to some other investors. Um, but it, it's a long way from that. There's still political complications uh, having to do with that. And, you know, sort of it's another one of those things, Mark, that as the days go by, inflation and, and other uh, elements come into it. And, and you know what? It's the broad picture uh, here as well is the kind of uh, uh, twilight of petroleum, and, uh, you know, all of the issues involved with developing and further building uh, the oil and gas industry and using those reserves are going to be, you know, under continued scrutiny because uh, the industry itself is going through massive global change that is not just happening in Canada. All right, Dan, great to have your comments on all of this today. Thank you very much for joining us. Okay, Mark, talk to you soon. That's Dan Legere, author and op-ed columnist for The Chronicle Herald. We know that people are facing shortages, they're facing disruptions, they're facing layoffs. That's unacceptable. That's why we're going to continue working extremely hard with everyone involved to resolve the situation. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Robin Urbach argues, if this is all Justin Trudeau can offer on the blockades, Perhaps he should have gone to Barbados. Urbach writes, The Prime Minister is in an impossible situation. He can enforce the law and instruct the RCMP to clear the railway blockades, likely through force, or he can not enforce the law and hope that a peaceful resolution can somehow be reached. This is the type of conflict for which clear, authoritative, practical leadership is desperately needed, though Mr. Trudeau so far has offered little more than vague assurances. Perhaps he should have taken that trip instead. In the Toronto Star, Susan Delacourt argues, our polarized politics are doing little to heal a fractured nation. Delacourt writes, politicians are yelling at each other about the need to see both sides when they themselves can't do the same. Their shouting is paralyzing the work of Parliament. If there are people in Canada who are simultaneously sympathetic to the protests and angrily frustrated by the chaos they've caused, there is no party in Parliament that speaks for them both. To see both sides is a contradiction that the current state of partisan politics cannot handle.
In the Ottawa Citizen, Alex Cullen asks if it's time for the Green Party and the NDP to combine their efforts. Cullen writes, In the last election, there was a lot of common ground between the NDP and the Green Party. What would have been the outcome had they run a common slate of candidates? It doesn't matter what your message is if the voters can't hear you. After 19 elections for the NDP and 11 for the Greens, it's time to start a conversation on how to change for the better. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. This morning, the Civilian Review and Complaints Commission for the RCMP will release a report on the force's behavior on Wet'suwet'en territory in northern British Columbia. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on that. Mark, at 9 a.m. Pacific time, that's noon Eastern time, in Vancouver, a report from the chairperson of the Civilian Complaints Review Commission of the RCMP, Micheline LaHaye, will be made public. The report is in response to a complaint by the Union of BC Indian Chiefs, the BC Civil Liberties Association, and by a number of Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs. The complainants take issue with the Mounties' actions and behavior in January when, in fulfilling a court injunction, they made arrests and secured access roads for work to be done in the construction of the Coastal GasLink Natural Gas Pipeline. But the complainants say that the RCMP officers' actions were an abuse of force, did not respect the sovereignty of traditional Wet'suwet'en territory, and violated the constitutional rights of the Indigenous inhabitants of the region. The report is supposed to be hard-hitting and critical of the police force, but we don't have all the details. But Mark, this will add yet one more element to the already highly charged, politically sensitive, and very polarizing issue, which is at the center now of a nationwide debate. Thanks, Martin. Also today, Foreign Affairs Minister François-Philippe Champagne will take part in the Lima Group ministerial meeting in Gatineau, Quebec. Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will make an announcement in Ottawa, and Green Party Parliamentary Leader Elizabeth May will take part in a news conference in Ottawa to discuss budget recommendations to the Finance Minister. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, February 20th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.